Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, fantasy basketball tonight in Philadelphia. It looked pretty good for the New York Knicks as Tom Thibodeau got desperate. He tried that lineup we've been talking about and it worked out pretty well, Alex, as the New York Knicks came back from a 12-point deficit to win the game. Yeah, and fantasy land <laughs> becomes reality. Obi Toppin and Julius Randle played together and the Knicks were really good. Wow. It's almost like all of us little pundits kind of knew what we were talking about, even though we only watched the game one time. We'll talk about it next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And we want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. I know someone in the comments said at some point that's a little presumptuous of us. Well, that's too bad because it should be your first listen every day. And we're now available on all platforms. And that includes on YouTube. So check us out there if you haven't already. Comment. Throw us a subscription. You know what? You know what the pinned comment on this video is going to be, Alex? It's, it's very simple. It's going to be, do you like fantasy basketball? So an, answer yes or no on the pinned comment. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there. This is Locked On Knicks, and this was a big win for New York, 106-104, possibly saving Tom Thibodeau's job in the process. Is, is that a good thing? I will talk about that a little later on. But for now, Alex, I, I got to leave the floor for you because as much as I was on this bandwagon, man, you, you, you've you been driving it around the country, just doing loops, waiting for a chance to speak your part. So you, you earned it tonight. Uh, go in on uh, on this lineup, leading the New York Knicks uh, from the brink of defeat to the, to the joys of victory. Yeah, well, so of course this lineup that brought the Knicks back from like, I forget what their lowest point was, 15 down, something like that, to winning the game was Obi Toppin, Julius Randle, no center. What? No center. Oh wow. my goodness. And it worked. I don't even know you're allowed to play like that. <laughs> I know. You know, they didn't get, they didn't throw the flag. You know, they didn't, uh, they didn't tee up uh, Tibbs for, for, uh, you know, throwing a lineup out there without a true center. The Knicks didn't get penalized. You know, it didn't throw them instantly into the penalty. Nothing. It was very bizarre. I thought that must have been a stipulation based off how the Knicks have operated for the last three years. Uh, but then, it, you know, they managed to have uh, Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, and at one point, Evan Fournier, but the lineup really did not look great at that moment because of Evan Fournier, as much as I hate to say it. Somehow, Cam Reddish for Evan Fournier, and then suddenly... This lineup was cooking with gas, brings the Knicks all the way back. The things that most stood out to me, because hopefully if you, I I very rarely say this. A lot of times we talk about games where I'm like, you know what? If you listen to us talk about it and you didn't watch the game, a lot of times I wouldn't say you need to really watch it. I would encourage people to go back and like watch this game. Like if you didn't watch it or even just like go find the fourth quarter somewhere and watch it again, because the, 
the way that this lineup like learned on the fly, which first off, I think is kind of a detriment to Tibbs. It looked obvious that like these guys were not used to playing together that often. Like, and they should be, they should be practicing all the time, getting ready for a situation like this. But it's been so obviously not a priority for Tibbs that it took them a minute to kind of like find their groove. But once they found it, like they were beautiful on both sides of the ball. And that was the best part. Like it, this, this has always come with this caveat of like, you know, Tibbs always says it or at least implies it that like, if you don't have a rim protector out there, you're basically useless on defense and there's no way they're going to be able to defend. And that's where, you know, I've been saying for a while, like I literally did that solo pod like yesterday where I talked about like some of Tibbs's issues. And I was like, look, it seems like the Warriors, like they buck convention. And like, I'm not saying that the Knicks have a talent level of the Warriors, but like, you know, sometimes you got to try something different, you know, to, to unlock something or just to add a wrinkle to your team that can throw another team off. And the Knicks never have wrinkles. They're starch pressed. Like there's nothing different about what the Knicks do most of the time. And they change that in this game. And this lineup held its own on both sides on offense. They were five out, like working the ball around the perimeter. And then basically what would happen is every time it would hit a guy that had the defense a little bent, he then had the option of, okay, do I shoot the three? Or do I put it on the floor and go inside? And it worked to great effect. And then if the defense would crash on that guy, then they could kick it back out to another shooter. A lot of times that was Obi Toppin. He hit some very clutch threes in this game that basically won the Knicks the game. Cam Reddish put the ball on the floor a few times and drove it inside and basically won the Knicks the game that way too. Like there was just so much good going on in this game for the Knicks on offense because of this lineup. But then on defense, Randall stepped it up on on the rebounding. And I literally, I talked about this literally, uh, I feel so like vindicated because I just did a whole freaking segment on this yesterday. Like Randall stepped it up on defense, started boxing out more and fighting for boards instead of looking and like chasing the board when Mitch is boxing out. And that helped them on that in that respect. Granted, like Paul Reed is not like the, the end all be all, whatever. Like he's a fine player, like, but cool. You know, he did it. You know, he's a pretty big player. Like Randall went up against a, a, center of some sort and made it work right and then obi uh, you know as far as the rim protection goes he wasn't like stacking up blocks like mitch or something but he was because he's so fast and so able to get into position quick he was doing what we saw what we've seen from him in in various scenarios like throughout his career where if he's in a rim protection scenario which is so few and far between that we ever get to see it he is good at shifting in really fast and then getting vertical quick and you know, at least altering the shot enough to make a guy say, oh, crap, I can't just get an open layup now. And he's not going to get the blocks like crazy, but he did enough to deter things at the rim. And lo and behold, the Knicks had a huge turnaround in the last like six minutes of this game and managed to win it. I'll throw it to you now. I'm so sorry. That was such a long rant. But like, I literally just ranted about this for like eight minutes, nine minutes on the solo one yesterday. And I'm like, it's just, crazy seeing it happen and it all played out exactly like we've been talking about for months no it was it was, it was warranted this I, we, we've been waiting for this night this is this, this was your night um but I'm, I'm in total agreement especially defensively because my argument and i can't remember when it was it was probably something like a, like a week to like a week and a half ago we, we had we had a conversation about this lineup and i was saying look where it's gonna work for you defensively is the fact that you have no safety net you, you hear it talked about with rudy gobert all the time where it it's, could basically be termed the Gobert effect because it happened in Utah and it's happening right now in Minnesota. When you have a great defensive center, especially in the regular season, there's a tendency to be a little lax. He's like, all right, if I get beat, I have that insurance behind me that 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 dude is going to be there to alter the shot. Mitchell Robinson isn't Rudy Gobert, but 
he gives you a little bit of that feeling. We, we've seen the Knicks, unfortunately, playing with that in mind all season long. When you don't have a rim protector in there, everyone is scrambling and fighting that much harder. It, it, that shouldn't have to be the case, but it, it does feel that way at times. And maybe part of it was the deficit. Maybe part of it was just there was a feeling of desperation in this game. Tibbs, after years of being just the most stubborn man on planet Earth, like, like honestly, like he, like we, we, we joke about the religion of the board. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Tibbs had an altar in his room of like all the great rim protectors in NBA history. Because that, that's how he coaches. He coaches like to, to, we, we joke about it, but he coaches as if it is not an option to not have that archetype of a big man on the court. So this was desperate measures. This was a man who knew I'm, I, I love basketball more than anything else in the world uh, to a sick extent that, no other coach in the NBA, I think, is as obsessed as Tibbs is. I, I don't know if any other coach wants to win as much as Tibbs does, which sounds crazy to say, but I, I think he might be a one-of-one one in that respect. This, he's, what is he, 67 years old at this point? Like, there's a good chance that this is his final chance at a head coaching job. This was a man pushed to the brink, and that's what this lineup was. And on the court, I think the players were feeding off that energy, especially in the fourth quarter with how they fought defensively, to your point, how Julius fought at the rim. And the great thing about having Obi Toppin in there that Mitchell Robinson doesn't give you when Mitch, like, I mean, obviously like you're using Mitch and drop. So he's generally near the rim, but when he's away to the rim, he, he doesn't have the speed to get across the court. Like an Obi Toppin does. Obi had a great contest on, on Corkmaz that uh, came at a pivotal point when the Knicks are in the midst of making up this lead. And, and granted, like, of, of course, Mitch is, is a dramatically better defender than Obi. I'm not trying to make that argument, but there are things you can access defensively. We, we even saw it last year when the Knicks played Jericho Sims in terms of scrambling and doubling and switching. Julius Randle absolutely locked up Tyrese Maxey on, on a switch in this game. And, and Randle, just from a talent perspective defensively, is one of the best switch bigs in the NBA in, in terms of being able to keep up with guards. He doesn't get to do it all that often because he's usually dropping. And like in those situations, like you're, you're, again, like especially with how Julius plays drop, he, he's just generally conceding a jump shot and he's not being aggressive. He's not pressing up to the ball. This lineup forced him to do that. Um, and, and just because like they were trying to rotate around and they were trying to fly around and it, 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 it unlocked, I think his best ability defensively offensively. Obi was draining 11 points in the fourth quarter, three threes. Uh, the guy is just a, a bonafide shooter now. I, I can't remember. I think it's over his last 150 attempts now. He's a 43% three-point shooter. Um, he's like, I, I don't think it's really a hypothetical with him anymore. I, I just think it is what it is. On, on the season this year, he's 14 of 30 from three. But again, you can even go further back to last year and see that. He's averaging 24 points per 36 minutes. He is the Knicks. Like, this sounds crazy to say, but to some to, on some level... He, he's their best scorer of the basketball. I, I, I still think that's probably Jalen Brunson over the course of a full season, but OB is, is clearly their most efficient guy. He leads the team in box plus minus. He finally got a chance to show up in the fourth quarter in, in a game where he didn't play that well, and he came through. And that is monumental in and of itself, not only in justifying this lineup, but just shoving in Tibbs' face that this guy has to be out there on the court. Yeah, I'm with you. And you know what? There's some things maybe to uh, to try to bank on in the future, I want to keep talking about this lineup uh, in a second when we get into our next segment. First, I got to just remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. And let's see, I'm going to be at the game tomorrow against the Celtics. Uh, funny enough, with our good buddy 
Jack Huntley from uh, the Strickland, who's in from across the pond. So if anybody's at the game tomorrow and wants to say hi, feel free uh, against the Celtics. But uh, maybe I want to go on prize picks and take Obi Toppin and Julius Randle for over 10 and a half minutes. I don't think they go quite that deep, but I could definitely take Obi like over two and a half threes and Julius over four and a half assists and potentially win some money doing so on my favorite daily fantasy game. Prize picks is super easy. You pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks proje- projection, you win up to 10 times your money on any entry. And you're not competing against other people. You're not facing a stacked deck of professionals with spreadsheets and paid tools and everything else and unlimited bank accounts when you just want to make like one fun little entry for a night. You're just competing against the projections, and that's it. PrizePix offers projections on any sport that you watch. Here comes the big list. This includes the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. And it, you can basically make mixed sport entries if you want to, too. So if the Knicks happen to be playing on the same day as the Jets and Giants, you can do a football and basketball mixed entry and potentially have something to root for in every single one of your favorite team's games. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. And they offer safe and fast withdrawals. And PrizePix is currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com and sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. And if you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars. All right, and we're back to continue talking about this magical night. It's like it's like we all got transported to Disney World for a day. The most magical place on earth is uh, an arena where Tom Thibodeau decides to make a freaking change for the first time in his life. Uh, Obi Toppin and Julius Randle. Gavin, to your point, I want to just quickly like riff on what you said and then yeah. I'll try to keep it short for once because I, I ranted so much in that first segment. But like, I'm with you. Like, I think that Obi really, it was important to see that Obi got to work through struggles in this game because I really didn't think he had a great first half either. And he came like big time through in the in the second Wait, half. Alex, most... I got to note real quick and remember in that first mm-hmm. half, Tibbs pulled him after about five minutes on the court. So it, it didn't seem like that was mm-hmm. going to be the vibe of this game. Exactly. And so then for him to get that chance to get 11 minutes and 41 seconds out of a possible 12 in the fourth quarter and get the opportunity to then score 13 points in the fourth quarter to like completely dominate and lead the Knicks to a win. Huge, huge stuff. Like, and maybe Tibbs turning a corner. I don't know. You know, I think that's all what it's going to come down to. We'll probably touch on that more in the third segment because we want to keep the good vibes to start with here. But like, these are things we're going to have to see consistently. Like this game for Tibbs is almost like, you know, a player like (laughs) this is like Kemba Walker scoring 46 last year, however many points that was, right? Like anybody can have a good game in the NBA, but it, the, the great ones, whether that's players or coaches put together great stretches, great seasons. Like I think today could be the start of like maybe a 20 game evaluation window for tips or something, but like playing Obi and having faith in him is a great start. It is maybe a smidge concerning that it took almost playing the whole fourth quarter for him to get up to 20 minutes for once, 
but you know what? I'll take it. Like, however it comes, like if you could start consistently getting OB at least 20 minutes, that's a great starting point because he's obviously ready and all he needs is an opportunity. And as we saw at the end of last year, like a, a less pressure cooker situation, not in terms of big moments, but in terms of him feeling like he's comfortable to stay on the floor and that he's not going to get pulled for one mistake or one, you know, UFO three pointer. Uh, that that's what Obi needs to succeed, and hopefully this was an eye-opening experience for Tibbs in that regard. I'm not going to hold my breath till we see more of it, but I, I I really hope that that's the case. Yeah, I think I think my fear here is the extenuating circumstances of this matchup. Do you get those minutes if Mitchell Robinson isn't hurt? Do you get those minutes if Joel Embiid is healthy? I I kind of don't think so. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 Tibbs, uh, to your point, it, it's it's kind of like burden of proof is on him. Like show us you're going to go to this consistently and I think the real shame here is watching Obi Toppin tonight watching him throughout the season the guy still has some very real issues on the defensive end of the court um he has a weird tendency to just to preemptively um over help off good shooters um when when guys are in position defensively he did it tonight where RJ Barrett I can't remember who RJ was guarding it might have been Maxi, but RJ was in fine position on a drive Obi slid maybe 10 feet over um, away from Niang, who's who's not not a bad shooter by any stretch of the imagination, and just just easy three. We saw it over and over again with Kevin Love. Um, where this trips me up with him not with that being a reason for not playing Obi is, as we know, Julius has has the same issues, and and Julius, especially in the first half of this game, he was a disaster on the defensive end of the floor. He was taking weird gambles, like was was falling asleep. I, I mean, I, I'm sure you you touched on it last pod, but we've seen a real regression from Julius the last few games, and I, I thought playing in that small lineup brought out his best tendencies. But when he continues to play in the Knicks traditional starting lineup, I, I think we're going to see a Julius. I mean, I it, it's hard to say because we've had so many fluctuations, but probably a little bit better than last year, but closer to last year than two years ago. Um, that being said, I, I, I still I think it makes a lot of sense to start Obi Toppin. Uh, next to Mitchell Robinson, you get that extra bit of, uh, not extra bit of spacing. You're talking about at, at least as far as like pretty significant sample size of the last 25 to 30 games. You're getting a 40% three-point shooter instead of a 30% three-point shooter. I, I think that just changes the geometry of the floor for the Knicks in a very dramatic way in the half in the half court. And we know in transition scenarios how much of an upgrade OB is, even over a Julius that's playing hard and playing with pace. It's no comparison between those two. And defensively, again, I, I just don't think there's a substantial difference there, despite Julius having far more defensive talent than OB. Because Julius very rarely actualizes that talent un- unless he's used in a more aggressive scheme, which Tibbs will not go to if Mitchell Robinson is the center. On the other hand, I think Julius is much better when Isaiah Hartenstein is in there and you get some real spacing, you have another passing big and and you can get some uh, creativity going. Uh, Do I think that's going to happen? No way. Uh, There there were other rotation changes made in this game that we can talk about. Uh, Quentin Grimes got to start, um, even though he uh, essentially didn't play the first half or he, he did not play the rest of the first half after picking up two quick fouls and then kind of just got a token stint in the second and came on a couple of times for defense late. We can talk about Cam Reddish. who went from seemingly the odd man out at the beginning of this game to, I think, 100% locking up a rotation spot going forward. I, I don't see any way you can't play Cam going forward. As much as uh, Obi was the star of that lineup, I think Cam, to your point, Alex, was the glue that held it together. So we are going to see some changes. I, I think the question I have in regard to Tibbs' ultimate fate um, at, with the Knicks is he willing to become a completely different person? Is he, is he willing to become a completely different coach? Is he willing to risk that his ideology for the last 20 plus years, maybe the last 50 years with this guy is somewhat flawed or, or at least can only be applied selectively and should be altered based on opponent 
I have my doubts, but uh, all, all we can do is watch and find out. Well, you know what? I uh, What you just said about, about Cam and Grimes and all that, I have some thoughts on that. And I think we could take our uh, last little final respite here and then come back. And I, I got a, a Fuego take here in just a second. All right, we're back. So the thing that I, I noticed in this game that I was feeling, uh, first off, I liked the decision by Tibbs to replace Fournier. I think that, I, like, again, another thing that I felt like vindication for, because I literally just, it's so weird. I swear, it, like, I watched this game and I felt like, I'm like, Tibbs, did you watch this pod that I literally put out yesterday where I, like, made all of these various arguments like it's very weird maybe tips is a big fan of locked on Knicks. like i don't know but it was <laughs> he, he just he just likes being nagged <laughs> yeah exactly like, he loves tell, being tell me how much i deserve to be fired <laughs> but then today he's like you know what i want a little positivity in my life so let me just like do something to make these guys happy but like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I literally talked yesterday about like fournier does not make so much money that you should feel obligated to play him just because of how much money he makes like i think brunson is just over that threshold like julius randall is just over that threshold rj is now over that threshold where it's like nah you're, you're kind of paying those guys to be starters like I, you know i don't know that you can really like pull them and not have the optics be bad but there are plenty of 18 million a game or sorry 18 million a year like 20 minute per game role players off the bench like there's a former nick on Dallas and Tim Hardaway Jr. does exactly that on the exact same contract that Fournier has. And I think that's kind of like an ideal roadmap for Fournier's role with the Knicks potentially. It's just like a bucket getter off the bench. If he could just start getting some freaking buckets at some point, because he, he can't really do that right now. But like, I liked the move to go with Grimes. However, I questioned the decision to go with Grimes specifically. Like this is a guy that managed to get like, you know, he, he was back healthy last game allegedly, but only got like two garbage time minutes it, when the game was already lost. And you were just like, if he was healthy, like why, like why wait this long? And, you know, then to start him in this game, I'm like, you're just kind of setting the kid up to fail, like ease him in. Like, my God, I know this is like Tibbs is like your favorite player. on like the whole team. Apparently the guy that you like fought like super hard to keep out of like Donovan Mitchell trade talks or whatever. But like, ease him in. He's only human. Like, you know, he's, he's not going to come back after being injured for most of camp and like only played like a bit of one preseason game. And then like was injured for the whole start of the season. He's not going to come back and be like, Oh, I'm a super dynamic starter now. Even if he feels super healthy, like you have Emmanuel quickly who like maybe didn't have his best game today, but certainly brings always brings something to the table, you know, on both ends of the floor. You have Cam Reddish, who we saw play so well. But like on the topic of Cam and Grimes, like I, you wrote in our in our doc here because we were trying to think of like things to talk about. Like, it, it, should Grimes be the starter going forward? I actually think Cam Reddish should be the starter at the two right now. Like, what's the reason against it? You know, he's playing the role perfectly. He's bringing intensity on defense. He's generating events. Like, it, he brings great length out there. Like, it creates a nice little tandem with him and RJ where they're both like pretty strong, pretty long can defend twos and threes. Like cam can shift down a little bit and defend a four. If you need him to like, there's a lot of versatility there. So I like what cam's bringing to the table. I would start him right now, which is wild to say, because if you want to talk about stuff that we held evident, like 
eight games ago, like at the, before the season started, like we thought the Cam Reddish was going to be out of the league, like after this year. Now I'm like, nah, you know what? Start him. Like he's fully embraced his role. He's thriving in it. And like, if you can get that, just he's almost like having in many ways, another player like Obi Toppin out there on offense. And that he's a guy that you can get it to. And right now he has two things on his brain. It's shoot the ball or put it on the floor and drive. And that's all he all he needs to do. He's not doing all the like freelancing and you know like trying to like be Paul George or whatever anymore. He, he's kind of just like, oh wait, this works. Like <laughs> I'll just shoot and get to the rim and use my acrobatics around the rim, and that'll be great for me. And it has been, and I, I've been loving it. So like, I think it's worth rewarding him. Like ease Grimes in a little bit. Like that's the guy that you should just be given like a few minutes, but you don't necessarily have to throw him out there to start the game and put that pressure on him right now. Like just bring him off the bench. I don't know. I don't see any problem with that. I think I think Cam should start, but I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah, I, a couple of things. I think the reason Tibbs started Grimes tonight was uh, because uh, Harden and Embiid were out, and he knew Maxi was going to be taking uh, like pretty much every shot for Philly. And he's like, "All right, well, I finally got my my my, my precious toy back." To your point, like like the best perimeter defender on this team, and it's not really close. Um, and he wanted a chance to go out and use it, and 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 to the point you made and the point people made to me on Twitter when I when I was saying like oh, I can't believe he only played six minutes like he did look a little slow like he probably does need a little bit more of an acclimation period so I hear that and I think that's totally fair as far as starting Cam um, I think if I wouldn't have any issue with it if you're if you're also starting Obi and, and you get that spacing from the power forward spot if not I, I just don't think there's enough shooting out there to justify starting him over quickly or Grimes I, I think you need an absolutely elite gunner at the two guard spot if you're trying to uh force mesh uh rj julius and and mitch who are all living by the paint and i don't think i think offensively you're not doing cam any favors playing him with mitch versus hardenstein or or as we saw tonight where he looked totally unleashed like playing it with the two power forward lineup with, with that spacing on the floor i i think cam is the kind of driver where he is i mean he can't like obviously like, there are very few players in the league who can like we see rj struggle but i, I don't think he's going to be hyper efficient if he has to fight through three defenders at the rim um, I think he's much better off when they're spacing and, and just because of Quickly's ability to weave in and out and, and kind of puncture small spaces. If Grimes isn't ready, I would make Quickly the starter for the time being. Uh, Long term, I still think the clear answer is Grimes just because of, of, of what he brings as a defender, despite the fact that Cam, to your point, uh, made some ridiculously big plays in passing lanes. And a, as we noted, when when we were we were part of the don't give up on Cam Hive. He just he gets to to balls that that no one else on this team can get to. Like he, he reminds me of like some of the great safeties in the NFL, where you're like like Ed, Ed Reed, who who would bait throws and quarterbacks would be like, I know you're baiting me, but there's no way you can get there. And Ed Reed would just kind of be like, Watch this, uh, I'm gonna get there anyways. That's Cam to a T. Um, what Grimes brings in terms of consistency, one on one, and an ability to disrupt, an ability to strip the ball. Um, I, I just think he's in a different category. But I, I will say just to just to keep this thing moving. Um, I, I think we can say those two guys are sure things in the to be in the rotation going forward. Obviously, quickly spot is a short coming at it tonight. And this is pretty stunning because as far as we knew, Alex, just six hours ago, Evan Fournier was still going to be the starter and, and, and maybe going to be the starter in, in perpetuity until Tom Thibodeau was was eventually fired. Now I'm questioning, is there a world to your point? You were saying like he, he doesn't make too much money to not come off the bench. Is there a world where he's out of the rotation completely? Or do you move Derrick Rose out of the rotation? Or do you play 11 like they did tonight? 
to me, I, I think you're tightening things up in, in, instead of expanding. And and I'm okay with the idea of one of Rose or Fournier going out just because Rose has looked a little less sharp the last few games, looked a little old, has really, really struggled defensively this year for the Knicks. And Fournier right now, just it's kind of it's sad to say, but be, and I don't think it's the same thing where he's completely washed, but it's kind of similar to how I felt about Kemba where he just looks completely out of sorts and like he can't buy a break right now. Yeah, so I do just want to throw one quick stat out there because you brought up the Obi stat about how he's been shooting Cam Reddish dating back to last year. I would, I would push back on the spacing thing just a smidge dating back to last year. And this doesn't include tonight's game. Cause I pulled off basketball reference while you were talking there. Mm-hmm. 203 attempts since last year, from including three. from three, including yeah. his time with the Hawks, he's shooting 36%. So after, or he was shooting like a hair under. So tonight with that one extra make, probably just enough to put him right at 36%. So yeah, no, he's, he's, he's a good, I think what I was, you need like a 40% three point shooter to make RJ Randall and Mitch work. I, I, I think anyway, 40% so far this year is all I'm going to say. That's what you're looking at today. If you keep it up and I'm, I'm right there with you. I, 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 I just, I think yeah. you're quickly a better shooters than him. No, I agree. I mean, and it, it, like ideally, yes, they are. I, I do think though that this year he has shown some consistency. We need to see more of it though. Obviously it's, it's everything is small sample size, but I just want to throw a three point shooting number. No, it's fair. Um, but anyway, yeah, as far as Fournier, like, super low amount of minutes in this game, to your point. Same with Rose. Like, Rose, I could sooner see being out of the lineup. And I hate to speculate about something like this, but it feels sort of similar to last year when his play started tailing off a bit. And then all of a sudden, we got a reveal, like, a couple weeks later, like, oh, he has an ankle injury. And then he was just kind of, like, out for a bit. And then would come back and play, like, one game and then be like, nope, I'm out again. And then it was like, oh, it's a bone spur in his ankle. Like, hmm. I don't want to speculate, but like, I, I don't know that it's necessarily him just being tired because like we see his routine and everything. He definitely has his body kind of figured out from the perspective of stretching and stamina and everything else. Unless he literally lost so much weight this year that he's like, you know, maybe his diet now that lost him all that weight going into the offseason is kind of kicking in and he's he doesn't have enough energy or something. I don't know. Uh, but I I don't want to speculate because I don't know his body, but I, I, it makes me worry a bit because last year the reveal was that he had an injury when things started going this way with him. Um, Fournier, though, I think just has lost his mojo. I don't know. I mean, he's got, uh, he's got no like swagger to his game anymore. You know, as much as that's like can't measure like swagger per thirty six or whatever. Like it, when I watch him out there, he looks tentative. He looks nervous. Like. Everything about the way that he's playing right now isn't fluid, and that's kind of what always made his game good was that he was fluid, and now he's just kind of like it's clunky. Like he didn't he didn't look great out there. Like none of the starters really did. There were stretches early in this game, like Clyde described it as like a like a preseason game. Like everybody was just turning the ball over like crazy. Then extended with twenty one turnovers total, but like I think they had fourteen in the first half or something, or at least thirteen. I remember like part early on in the second quarter they're like oh that's their 13th turnover and i was like are you kidding me like that's so many um but like he just looks all out of sorts right now i i feel like he doesn't know what his role is i feel like i don't know what his role is i don't even know what his role should be but I, like they're not really using him in similar ways to even how they were in preseason when i thought that they were starting to use him a little bit for for initiating and stuff like that and having like the center, you know, whether it's Mitch or or Hartenstein or whoever, like come over and like set a screen for him. And, you know, like there was nothing like that. It, 
it just seems like he's just kind of been in limbo last couple games. But on top of it, even when he gets good looks, he's not making them. So, yeah, unfortunately, his utility for the moment has kind of dried up for the Knicks. And that's it is sad because I, I like Fournier as a player. But, yeah, I, I can't justify playing him over quickly, Reddish. And if Grimes even figures it out a little bit, like those three should be playing over Fournier right now, point blank period. And yeah. probably mostly over Rose, too, unless Rose kind of gets his stuff together. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with those two guys almost to some extent being, I mean, how Tibbs described Grimes coming into this game situational. Mm-hmm. And and you, you could pick either one of them based on the night, based on the opponent, based on the matchup, based on how they're looking in practice. Um, to me, I, I still think what Rose brings is valuable just as, just as an orchestrator on the second unit. And yeah, you need to cover up for him defensively a little bit, but that's not the end of the world for, for a bench lineup that's playing finite minutes every game. His chemistry with OB, his chemistry with IQ, um, just the, the connectiveness those guys have. And I, I think the I, I just think IQ and OB still have an added comfort when he's on the court. Um, and Fournier, I think, could be really, really good as a bench player. I mean, in, on, on the right team, it wouldn't be crazy to say that he could win a six-man of the year. Like, he's, again, he's, he's we, we talk about it all the time, but he's he's a long-time 20-point-per-game score in Orlando. He's, he's, what, 30 years old, 31 years old? Like, he's not he's not ancient. Um, he's, he's still very much physically in his prime. He is good enough to play a big role on a good team. He just doesn't make a lot of sense on this next team. And to your point, I, I agree with you 100%. I think the, the swag is at... Zero right now. Um, before me, we, could I yeah. throw one quick thing yeah, out ahead. before we close the door on that? Sure. Just looking at the minutes distribution for tonight, like if I could give you an option, Derek Rose played six minutes fifty nine seconds, seven minutes today. Sure. Yeah. If you could give those minutes to Deuce McBride, would you rather do that right now? That's a good question. Um, I think um, I would. Maybe. Maybe. I, I, don't I always, know. I always feel I, like with Deuce, just the defensive energy he brings. Yeah almost makes that worth it. Like, even if he's struggling on offense and figuring things out, like we're talking about Rose and Fournier, one of the main things they keep getting cooked on defense. Like seems like the offense does pretty well as long as the defense is there to pick it up right now. Like, I don't know. I, I almost think it'd be more worth the throw deuce out there than Rose right now. And that's not a knock on Rose. It's more just like, well, it is sort of a knock on Rose. I mean, if he was playing as well as he was to start the season, I'd say no brainer. You want him out there for like seven, eight minutes a game, you know, minimum. Yeah but it's not like that right now. Yeah, I think I'd I think I'd give it a few more games just because, I mean, to that point, there were stretches this year where Rose was scoring a point a minute and his, his three-point shot looks ridiculously good. He, it doesn't really look to me like he's lost his bur- – I mean, obviously, he's, he's not in his prime burst, but his burst from two years ago, he still gets by guys, he still gets to the rim, and, and just what he does is a caretaker. But again, based on the matchup, like if you're going – like let's just say they're playing the Jazz, right? And I I, I think Jordan Clarkson still comes off the bench for the Jazz. And and, and that's that's the opposing point guard. I, I'm throwing Deuce out there every time. I'm, I'm not letting Rose get cooked by him over and over again. I'm saying, Deuce, uh, go, go give that guy hell for seven minutes. I don't care if you – I don't care if you stay in the backcourt defensively. Um, so I, I, I think that should be an option in Tibbs' arsenal. And, and that, that kind of brings me to my concluding uh, big picture point on Tibbs before we uh, maybe finish up just uh, praising RJ and, and JB, who did some good stuff in this game. Um, Tibbs, Tibbs opened Pandora's box tonight. He, he showed the fans um, because there, there, are, there are those out there. A lot of them live in our comment section um, that, that don't think Tibbs does anything wrong, that still think Julius Randle is the Knicks' best player. He showed those people, Alex, a better world. Uh, some we we always like reference Nick's Twitter and stuff. That 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 doesn't represent all Knicks fans. Uh, there, there's plenty of people out there who uh, think Tibbs is playing the best guys. Who think Tibbs is playing the best lineups. 
Well, you see an example of that, at least on certain nights and certain matchups, that is not always true. And by doing that, if he goes back on this and he, he stops with the creativity, he stops mixing up rotations, he stops trying to find out what actually works on a night-to-night basis instead of having just one like dogma for every single night, um, that's it for Tom Thibodeau. I think if the Knicks lost this game, like that could have been it. For Tom Thibodeau, it might it might have been done this early because after Atlanta, this just would have been inexcusable. No Harden, no Embiid. I, I don't know how you get out of this one. And, and a team that just looked lifeless and disinterested and like they wanted to be anywhere else for most of this game, for the second straight game. He is on death row in terms of his coaching job. And I, I think he knows what he has to do to keep it. We'll, we'll see if he can actually do it. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to, is he going to... We haven't really brought up, but the only reason that this happened today is because Mitch got hurt. Yeah. At least in my estimation. You know, which hopefully Mitch is okay, because I still think Mitch has a ton of value to bring to this team. But, like, yeah, Mitch got sort of undercut by... I think it was... uh, Was it Shake Milton on a rebound? Like, got a little undercut, and it kind of landed awkwardly, and didn't look like he twisted anything or whatever, but clearly his knee was bugging him. He came back in the game for a minute and then had to sub out and go back to the locker room and got ruled out with what they just called a sore knee. Hopefully it's nothing too serious, but you know, that's going to be the biggest test. Once Mitch comes back and Mitch is healthy, do Obi and Julius see the floor together again? I, I would be inclined to say no, like based off past returns, we saw the same thing happen last year when, you know, the season opening game, Mitch was, the only available center for the Knicks and obviously had his conditioning issues to begin last year. And Tibbs basically was like, crap, I got to go to Obi and Julius. And he did. And they like basically came back and won that game for the Knicks. And then I think he played it one more game for like a minute or two. Obi like airmailed a three or something, or they gave up like a five Oh run. And he was like, Nope, that's it done. Like, Never going to do this again. Wow. Glad that we could say that that's fantasy basketball again for another year. So uh, that's the big test for me. Uh, to your point, though, I think we should give uh, give RJ and Brunson their flowers here. I mean, the two leading scorers for the Knicks in this game, which is <laughs> kind of funny, uh, 23 points for Brunson, 22 for RJ. Obviously, the the stretch run was owned by uh, Obi and Julius and, and, those, and Cam Reddish, but – those guys, Brunson and RJ, when the Knicks looked somewhat listless earlier in this game and like they could have gotten blown out at any given moment, I thought those two did a great job to stabilize things. Um, they were, you know, the scoring presence that the Knicks needed when they were having a hard time finding that uh, from anyone else. And like RJ was efficient, eight of 16, didn't shoot great from three. Nobody really did on the Knicks in this game, honestly. They shot 27% as a team. Uh, which I guess is more of a testament to just how great of a triumph this is that they shot that poorly from three. But RJ couldn't get the three really going, but he managed to make up for it in plenty of other respects. Brunson, same deal, didn't shoot well from three, but managed to get to the free throw line a bunch, shot eight and nine from there, uh, seven assists. Like I thought that he played a really quietly good game. Like I looked at his stat sheet, honestly, and was very surprised to see those numbers there because I, I didn't remember him being the leading scorer of the team based off how the game flow went for this game, but he just kind of quietly put it together. Did have some buckets down the stretch as well and some free throws and stuff. So uh, shots to those two. Uh, they really, I mean, they, they, you know, Obi and Julius brought it home as the, the front court, but 
like those two kind of kept the Knicks in a position where they weren't down by like 25 late instead of like 12. So uh, shout out to them. Yeah, I'm 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 with you. Uh, Brunson is just a, a technician, and there is like there is a certain just mechanical consistency to his game where he's yeah on most nights against most defenses he's going to find a way to get to the rim and he's going to find a way to be hyper efficient there i mean just just some some of the angles he he was finishing at like like he had just a, a running lefty banker on the right side and i i just i mean maybe Kyrie, but there're just very few nba players who have the variety he does around the rim with with, with scoops with overhand finishes using the glass swishing it in he he's someone i mean we say it all the time but it's worth reiterating all the time he's someone who just mastered the game of basketball offensively i, I and, and especially around the rim and especially as a scorer he's he's fantastic uh rj i, I thought this was easily his best game of the season that i i've seen maybe he was, I, I assume he wasn't good against the hawks um he was he was pretty flawless in in the half court out, outside of not shooting well like time after time i think he was he was just making Good decisions. He got himself into. I, I think this is a this is a big thing for RJ at times. Just you you could tell by how he's handling the basketball, like how in rhythm he is. Like he he had one play where he just went just between the legs twice and then just powered into Tobias Harris for a little lefty runner. Um, he had a really nice play in the like early in the third quarter where he got a screen from Grimes and just just spun off his defender, just sprinted to the rim, took some contact, like finished with a swoosh. Uh, it, it, it was just, it, it was patience. It was touch. It was, it was keeping the game really, really simple. That worked well for RJ where he had issues, uh, was a little bit defensively. Uh, there was another really bad miscommunication with Brunson. I, I don't know what it is with those two, but once a game, it feels like they, they just are not on the same page and they give up a wide open three in, in terms of whether they're supposed to switch or not. And then in transition, he had two different plays where he tried to score against the triple team, which he did against the Hawks as well. He made one and then another one he badly missed when uh, Grimes was wide open uh, on the left arc. The game before was Obi uh, jumping up and down like in frustration when he was completely open. RJ said he saw all that stuff on film this offseason. He was going to correct it. That has to happen. That, that stuff is inexcusable. And I, I honestly, I, I think I, I'm sure you could you could speak to this too, Alex, just, just as someone who's played, uh, I, I'm doing the Bill Simmons here, someone who's played pickup basketball their whole life. Like you, like that brings down morale. And, and you just like, no matter how likable the guy is and no matter how good of a person they are, you get frustrated when that happens over and over again, when you watch someone clang layups against three defenders and you're wide open uh, from behind the arc. And especially when you're a shooter like Grimes and honestly, when you're a shooter like Obi. So I, I think that has to be cleaned up. But overall, uh, Great, great night for R.J. Barrett. And a great, great night for the Knicks and Knicks fans. And perhaps Tom Thibodeau, if he decides to stick to this and it turns the Knicks season around. Or perhaps this, he'll look back on this as the night it all went wrong if uh, he goes back to his old ways and gets fired in 20 games. So I guess we'll see. The, the real tests are yet to come. But this is a fun night to get to talk about. Hopefully there's more to come. So we'll be there for all of them. Thank you all for listening. And uh, we will talk to you guys all soon. Like I said, too, I will be, if you're listening to this and you're going to be at the Celtics game, I'll be there with my buddy Jack Huntley from the Strickland, who's over from the UK right now. So if you want to say hey, send me a Twitter DM or something. You can come by. We'll say hello at the game. So uh, until next time, though, thank you all for listening. Talk to you all soon. Peace out.